Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. We're going to be in John chapter number 9 today. John chapter number 9 is where we're going to be. And uh, today we're going to start a new sermon series that we've entitled, Surrounded by Struggle. How many of you by show of hands would say, there's been a time in my life, maybe you're in a season like that, where you feel like you've been surrounded by struggle. Can I see your hand? You feel like you've just been surrounded by difficulty, surrounded by a trial or a storm. And throughout the series, we're going to look at different New Testament narratives where people were struggling and they came in contact with Jesus and they found strength in the midst of their struggle. And so that's what I want to talk about for the next few weeks in this series and how we can find strength in the midst of our struggle. And so often, uh, one of the most common responses to a season of struggle is doubt and uh, insecurity and fear and anxiety. And so this morning, I want to preach a message that I've entitled, Confidence in the Chaos. How we can have confidence even when things aren't going our way, even when we have questions about the struggles that we're facing. And so John chapter number 9 Verse number one is where we're going to start. If I can get this. It's, it takes a, a real talent to get a water bottle open with one hand right here, okay? Just so. Hey, surrounded by struggle. I am struggling to get this open right now. There we go. The struggle bus. John chapter number nine, verse number one. If you're there, would you say amen? amen. Anybody excited to get in the word of God today? Anybody else excited about getting the Word of God today? I'm excited about preaching, and I'm excited about this text. I believe that this could be a great encouragement for you today. And uh, John chapter number 9, verse number 1, the Bible says this, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. always love that word. And he anointed uh, the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and he washed, and he came seeing. Everybody say seeing. He came seeing. Let's have a word of prayer together this morning. Father, thank you for this day you've given us. God, thank you for this opportunity to come together and to worship you today. Lord, thank you for uh, our church family, Lord, and and, uh, their faithfulness. Lord, I just pray that for the next few minutes we'll be able to focus on your word. God, I pray that we can be encouraged and challenged. From your word today, Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, Lord. Give me the words to say. That would be helpful for us. And uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
This past week, uh, I was working in our, in our home office downstairs, and I heard a very loud thud and fall sound, and I knew right away it had to be one of our kids that was upstairs. And so I ran upstairs, and sure enough, our daughter Blakely had climbed up onto our bed, and uh, she had fallen off, and she, was, uh, she fell on the ground, and she, she kind of fell on her hand weird, and she was crying. And we knew something was wrong with her hand because she didn't really want to uh, use it and pick anything up. And so we thought maybe you know her hand might have been broken or something like that. And so we took her to the doctor, and sure enough, the doctor said that she had a hairline fracture fracture uh, in her hand, and so she had to get a little cast on her hand. I brought a picture this morning of Blakely in her cast, and uh, there she is. She's the cutest little thing, isn't she? She just got her little cast on. It's kind of funny because uh, before she had the cast on, she was kind of tough, and she was kind of uh, not crying too much, but when she got the cast on, she knew that we knew that she uh, was hurt, and so she kept on lifting up her cast and saying, doctor, doctor, because uh, we took her to the doctor, and you know, she, uh, uh, she was kind of playing that up just a little bit, and uh, she was struggling. Every time she tried to get up onto the couch, she was kind of struggling to get up. She couldn't put any weight on her hand. Anytime she fell down on the ground, uh, she couldn't really uh, uh, push uh, weight to get herself back up, and so we're constantly kind of helping her along. And the doctor told us, uh, he said, if uh, the cast gets wet at all, you have to take it off immediately because it'll be ruined, it'll be messed up. And Blakely did not like wearing that cast. And on Friday this week, she went straight to the bathroom, straight to the toilet, and put her whole hand and cast into the toilet. As if to say, deal with this now, <laughs> you know. And uh, so we had to take that off, and we were taking it off. Uh, we were kind of taking the cast off real slow. We wanted to make sure that we didn't hurt her hand, you know. We were kind of just uh, making sure that we were being gentle with her hand, and we took it off, and we said, does this hurt? And she said, no. And uh, we said, does this hurt? No. Turns out she's totally fine. Like she didn't even need, so she's not even wearing the cast today. And uh, already Blakely is uh, uh, not even two years old yet, but she knows all about the real struggles of life, right? She's like, she is, she is struggling. And uh, the truth is this morning that uh, as followers of Jesus, we know that uh, struggles are an everyday part of life. We know that struggles are guaranteed in life, and struggles should not even uh, take us by surprise. The Bible says this in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. And so Peter's saying, hey, don't, don't get caught off by the struggle that you're facing, and don't be surprised because struggles are an inevitable part of life. Uh, we know that we're going to experience struggles. In fact, uh, James, the pastor at Jerusalem, in James chapter 1, verse number 2, said this, My brethren, count it all joy, count it all joy. Everybody say joy. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And so what he's saying, uh, the word diverse there means various, and temptation actually means adversity, struggle, trial, difficulty. And he's saying, hey, you can mark it down in your life. You're going to experience various, all kinds of struggles, all kinds of difficulties. And we look around the landscape of even our country today, we see people struggling with all kinds of different things. We, we see people struggling with uh, their relationships and struggling with finances and struggling with uh, all sorts of things, just like James, the pastor at Jerusalem, said. He goes on in James chapter 1 verse number 3 he says knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience and so how can we have joy in the midst of our struggle and how can we have strength in the midst of our struggle we know that uh, the struggles of life uh, were not meant to deplete us but actually to develop us and to mature us in our walk with God and so James is saying hey you can count it all joy actually when you fall into a struggle because Jesus can give you strength in the midst of that struggle does anybody believe today that Jesus can give strength in the midst of the struggle and so James is saying, hey, just know this and be uh, prepared for this. I was reading uh, this week, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, that suicide is the second leading cause of death among Americans ages 10 to 34 years old. 
We heard this week even the tragedy in Rancho Cucamonga that three teenagers and one elementary student committed suicide. And we have to pause and consider and understand that our generation is struggling with depression and struggling with anxiety and struggling with mental health and struggling with worry. And this is a very real need and very real struggle in our culture. According to CBS News, more than 40% of Americans, uh, far more than 40% of Americans say that they are struggling financially just to pay the bills. So we're struggling financially. We're struggling with depression. According to the American Psychological Association, about 40 to 50% of every married couple in the United States will end in divorce. And so we're struggling financially. We're struggling relationally. We're struggling with all sorts of different things in life. And so the question that we have to consider in this series is how then... Can we find strength in the midst of the struggle? How do we experience that joy that James talked about? Because joy is typically not a great, uh, typically not a common response if we're going through a struggle. So how do we find uh, this strength in the midst of the struggle? Psalm 6 and 7 says this, I am weary with my groaning. This is David speaking. He's talking about his struggle. And he says, all the night make I uh, my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. David's like, man, I just can't stop crying. David was like uh, really overwhelmed in this moment. He said, mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. David was basically saying, hey, I'm crying so much because I'm struggling so much that I'm losing vision in my eyes. My eyes are becoming blurry. Uh, that's how much I'm crying. He was struggling. How do we discover strength? in the midst of the struggle. We come to John chapter number nine and we learn about uh, this blind man who was born blind from birth. And if anyone was struggling, this, this man was struggling uh, since the day that he was born, struggling just to get by. He was a beggar. He was trying to get money, trying to get food any way possible. He was struggling. Jesus comes by and, and uh, we just read the story. Jesus miraculously heals this man. And now he can see this is a, a great thing. This is a great miracle. He is given sight. But what's interesting about this story is after this man receives his sight, after the blind man can now see, which should have been a joyous occasion, everyone around him is now wanting to ask him all of these questions about how this happened. And they're kind of interrogating him and saying, how did this happen? How can you see? Who did this? Tell us your story. And uh, the blind man, frankly, didn't know how to answer these questions. How many of you have ever been in the midst of a struggle and you didn't know why certain things were happening and people were asking you questions and you did not know how to answer? Anybody like that? And so this blind man is saying, I, I don't even really even know the answers, but I, but I really like this blind man because I love his response that he gives. We're going to skip ahead to verse number 24. It says this, then again called they the man that was blind. And I, I just love that, that, that he was blind because Jesus completely changed his life. And he said unto him, give God the praise. And that was kind of a, a, a culture, a, a different way in this culture to say, hey, swear to me. This is like saying, uh, you're going to swear under oath. So, so give God the praise. Tell us the truth. We know that this man is a sinner talking about Jesus. And then he goes on and the blind man responds in verse number 25. And he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. And I just love that response because the blind man said, you know what, I don't have all the answers in life. I can't tell you everything about this man, Jesus, who healed me. I, I can't tell you all the answers to your questions, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. He was confident in this one thing. And I just want to tell you this morning that you're going to go through struggles and you're going to face difficulty in life and you're not going to know how to respond and you're not going to know uh, how to answer those questions. But there are some things in life that you can be confident in and you can be confident in the person that called you and the person that saved you, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to tell you that you can have confidence even in the midst of chaos. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12, for the which cause I also suffered these things. So Paul, Paul is telling Timothy, 
I'm struggling. I've been suffering. I've been going through a difficult season, a trial, a storm. I've suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know. Everybody say, I know. He said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said, hey, I'm struggling here. I'm suffering, but I haven't lost confidence. I haven't lost hope because I know whom I have believed in. I believe in Jesus Christ. My confidence is not in my circumstance. My confidence is in the one that saved me. His name is Jesus. And so we can always have confidence in the midst of chaos because of Jesus, not because of what we know, but because of who Jesus is. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse number 6, so that we may boldly say, everybody say boldly. We can boldly say, we can have confidence that the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And so this morning what I'd like to do is I'd I'd like to look at John chapter number 9. And I believe that from this passage we can find some faith-building statements and we can find some faith-building uh, principles that can build our confidence in life. And I wanted to preach this message first in this series because I believe it's foundational if you're going through a struggle to know what you can be confident in. And so when doubt is trying to consume you, you can say, you know, I'm confident in the person that saved me. I'm confident in these things. And so what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to give four personal faith confessions that we can say with confidence that we can boldly say. These four faith confessions that we can say on a daily basis. Uh, in our family, uh, Katie and I, we have uh, a picture in our home, and these, these four statements have been in our home on display for the last six years, and we try to uh, pass by them and remember them and say these with confidence and say, you know what, this is what God has for me, and uh, these things I can claim with confidence. And so I would encourage you to write these things down and uh, maybe write them in a journal, write them in your Bible, uh, put them somewhere where you can remember them and say them on a daily basis because this can give you the confidence that you need to get strength from the struggle. Are you ready this morning? Number one, we can say with confidence, God has a purpose for my situation. God has a purpose for my situation. Notice what the Bible says back in verse number one. We'll pick up the narrative in verse number one in John chapter nine. It says this, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And isn't it interesting that even though this man was blind and he could not see Jesus, but Jesus could see him. And I just want to tell you this morning that even when we couldn't see Jesus, Jesus saw us. And we, we loved him because he first loved us. And so Jesus came by and he saw this man and he decided to heal this man, not because this man was so great, but because Jesus loved him and had compassion on him and saw him. And so Jesus saw this man, which was born, uh, which was blind from his birth. And so we learn a little bit about this man's struggle, that he was uh, blind from his, from his birth. He was uh, born with this, with this condition, with this blindness. And this is a reminder that we were all born uh, into a, a sinful nature. We were born with the problem of sin. The Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so just like this man was born blind, he was born with this problem. All of us in here share something in common, and that, and that is that the fact that we were all born with a sinful nature. We were all born into sin because of Adam. We all struggle uh, with this problem of sin. And so this man was, was struggling. He was blind from his birth. He was constantly begging, trying to get by, trying to scrounge up some food, and trying to just uh, barely get by to survive. Now notice verse number two. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so the disciples are walking by, and they see this man, and they ask the most common question when someone is going through a struggle or difficulty, why? Jesus, why 
Look at, look at this man right here, Jesus. Why is he struggling? Why, why is he going through this pain? Why is he going through this difficulty? And so often when we are uh, confronted with a struggle in life, the most common question that we ask is, why? Why are you letting this happen, God? Why would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? Why does this happen? And Jesus answers that question in the next verse for us. But before we move on, I, I want us to see that the disciples, they didn't have a whole lot of compassion as they were walking by. They were walking by, and they, Jesus and the disciples are passing by, and they see this man that was born uh, blind, and they'd say, hey, Jesus, what about this guy? For instance, let's, let's just talk about this guy for a second. Why is he uh, born blind? Was it his parents, or was it him? In this culture, they believe that the greater the struggle, the greater the sin, and they thought, man, certainly this man uh, had to have been in some great sin, or his parents, that's why he's born blind. They're saying, Jesus, let's talk about him for a second. Rather than say, hey, let's show compassion on this man, maybe let's help this man, let's talk about him. See, it's really easy to talk about someone's struggles. It's a lot harder to actually help someone in their struggle. When you view people, do you view someone as an opportunity to minister or an object to discuss? Do we just look at people like, oh, let's just talk about them, let's talk about their struggle? Or do we actually want to help people? See, the disciples walked by, and they were more curious, and they were compassionate, and they were saying, Jesus, tell us about this man. Tell us what's going on here. Explain the situation. Verse number three. And Jesus answered and said, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest. Everybody say manifest. Manifest in him. See, Jesus said it, it, he, he was born blind not because uh, he was uh, because of a certain sin or because his parents sinned, even though we were all born in sin. That wasn't the reason for his blindness. The reason for his blindness was that the works of God could be manifest. The word is afanareo, uh, and it means to be shown or displayed. And so Jesus was saying, hey, the, the reason that this man was born blind was so that my works could be displayed and shown and made evident in his life. He, he was born blind so that I could use him in a great way. And so this blind man is starting to understand that he was born blind. Why? Because God had a purpose in his situation so that his works could be made manifest in his life. And I want to tell you this morning that if you are struggling, God has a purpose in your situation. And you can say with confidence, hey, God has a purpose in my situation, and he wants to make manifest his works in my life. God wants to do something great through you, and God wants to do something great for you, but you have to understand that God has a purpose for your pain, and he has a reason for your struggle. He, he says the reason that this man was born blind was not because of a certain sin or because of his parents. The reason that he was born blind was so that I could do something incredible in his life. See, God always has a purpose for every situation. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse number 9 says this, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, God always has a reason. God always has a purpose for pain and a purpose for our situation. Hannah, she struggled with infertility, but God had a purpose in her, in her situation. Moses, he struggled with insecurity, but God had a purpose in his situation. Uh, David struggled with infidelity, but God had a purpose in his situation. Peter struggled with instability, but God had a purpose in his situation. This man struggled with an infirmity, but God had a purpose in your situation. What I'm trying to tell you today is no matter what you're going through, no matter what your experience, you can say with confidence, God has a purpose for where I'm at right now in this season. Jesus said, I, I want to make my works manifest in his life. And I love that Jesus practiced what he preached because the context of the story is so interesting. John chapter number nine just begins with the words as Jesus passed by. But if you take a step back and look at John chapter eight in the last verse, John chapter eight, verse number 59, it says this. 
Then they took up the stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself. And he went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. And so we learn that the context of John chapter number 9 is that there was a group of people that wanted to throw stones at Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus. And so Jesus was actually in great danger. He was fleeing for his life, but he still took time to show compassion on this man. And I love that thought because Jesus did not allow persecution to keep him from his purpose. He said, even though I'm in danger, even though I'm being persecuted and people are chasing me out, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pause and make uh, time for this man that needs my help. See, there was always a purpose that Jesus wanted to accomplish and Jesus wanted to fulfill. And so uh, we see that this, this man had a great purpose for his life, Jesus was teaching. I remember several years ago, maybe, maybe uh, eight years, or, uh, years ago or so, I was uh, leading a, a public school uh, Christian club, and uh, I would go in there every week, and we would uh, teach teach a lesson from the Bible, share the gospel with these uh, teenagers, and uh, I'll never forget there was this one boy that came in every week, and his name was Bobby, and uh, I could tell the very first time that I saw Bobby that he had already had a difficult li- life. I think he was in eighth grade at the time, and I could see scars all over his neck, and he had uh, different scars on his arms, and when, whenever he talked, he struggled just to kind of get words out, very uh, weak voice, and, and I remember uh, Bobby came for a couple weeks, real, real quiet, he kind of came into the, to the club, and he would leave right away, and uh, I remember one week, I sat down with Bobby, and I said, hey, Bobby, tell me about, tell me about your story, what's going on, and he began to tell me about this certain condition that he had, and, and uh, he was in eighth grade, and he said, I'm in eighth grade, and I've already had 18 major surgeries in my life. And he began to tell me about this, this condition that he had and certain medication that he had to take and all of these surgeries that he had to have. And, and, uh, and uh, he, he began to tell me about that. And, you know, I began to watch Bobby over the course of that year. And he would come into Christian Club every week and he would come in with joy. And he understood as we talked, he understood, hey, I'm, I, this might not be convenient. I'm going through the struggle. But he understood that God had a purpose in his situation. He's saying, you know what, God's going to use me and God's got a plan for my sickness. God's got a purpose for my health. And I believe that the best is yet to come in my life because God is a good God, and he has something great in store for me. And I just love that testimony of, of, a, of a teenager that said, God has a purpose in my situation. So we can say with confidence today that no matter what we're going through, God has a purpose. Notice number two this morning, the second faith confession that we can say on a daily basis is this, God has given me a mission. God's given me a mission. If you're still with me, would you say amen? amen. Notice verse number four in our text today. Jesus says this, he goes on, he says, I must, Jesus said, I must, he was passionate about this, I I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus said, I've got a job to do, and the night is coming. Jesus understood that uh, in just a few days, in just a few hours, that he would be taken uh, to the cross to be crucified. And he says, hey, while it's still day, before the night comes, I've got a job to do, I've got a mission to accomplish. Next verse, verse number five. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus had a purpose, but he also had a priority. He he was telling the disciples, hey, I've got a job to do. I've got a mission to accomplish. And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus' mission is our mission. The Bible says this in John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Everybody say life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. 
that all men through him might believe he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. And so in John chapter 1, we have a beautiful theological introduction to who Jesus is. He is the light of the world. The darkness cannot overcome the light. But then right in the middle of that introduction, we're introduced to another man. His name was John. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. See, his mission is our mission, and our mission is to tell the world about the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. It's our job to bear witness of the light. And so Jesus said, hey, while it's still day, while I still can, while there's still some time left, I'm going to go and I'm going to change people's lives and I'm going to share this good news, this news of salvation. And Jesus's mission is our mission as well. The Bible says in Matthew 28, verse number 19 and 20, go ye therefore. Everybody say go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Can I remind you this morning that the instructions are clear. The mission has been given. It's our job to go and to tell the world about the name of Jesus. Psalm 96 verses 1 through 3 says this. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Everybody say a new song. By the way, didn't you like that new song that we sang this morning? Our worship team did a great job uh, writing that song. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all, all people. See, it's our job, it's our mission today to declare the glory and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so even when we are going through a great struggle, even when we are carrying great pain, no matter what that might be, we can say with confidence, hey, in spite of all that, God has still given me a mission to accomplish, to bear witness of the light. Acts 13, verse number 47, first, so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. See, it's our job to be a witness to the light and to share the light of the gospel with the lost and dying world. In the 1960s, NASA launched the Gemini program, and this was an important uh, era for uh, the space race and, and uh, uh, many firsts on this on this uh, mission and on this journey. First time that a spacecraft ever uh, docked in space, first American spacewalk, a lot of firsts on this uh, mission. But interestingly, another first is that this was the first corned beef sandwich to ever orbit the Earth. And uh, during uh, this program, Gemini 3, astronaut John Young, he smuggled a corned beef sandwich onto the rocket on the shuttle because he thought it would be fun to get up into space and eat this sandwich. And so uh, they made it up to space, and he pulled out. I think we have a picture of it this morning. They actually have it, like, memorialized. Uh, th this corned beef sandwich, he got it out, and uh, he was going to eat this in space. But when he did, th the crumbs of the sandwich kind of started to float uh, in orbit, and they kind of just started to float there in space. And so they quickly put it back in the spacesuit because they understood that even if a little bit of uh, crumbs got into some of the control circuits and panels, it could cause great damage to the shuttle. And so uh, he had to quickly put it. Uh, put it back in, and, and uh, so many people actually got very upset at this that, that this, that this astronaut brought this sandwich in space, and so much so that Congress had to pressure NASA to release an official statement. They said this, we have taken steps to prevent the reoccurrence of corned beef sandwiches in future flights. <laughs> I imagine that there are a million different necessary components for a successful flight to space, but a corned beef sandwich is not one of them, right? A lot of times, we know that the mission is clear that God has given us, but we are distracted by trivial and secondary elements in life. Can I encourage you this morning to recognize that the mission that God has given you is very clear and to not become so distracted by things that don't really matter? 
God's given us a mission. There are people in our city, in our community that have no idea that they can know for sure that they spend an eternity in heaven. And to me, that message is worth giving my life to. There are people that need to know that they can have a home in heaven. This is the mission that God has given us. And when we think about that mission, that puts our struggle into perspective, that there is all eternity at stake. And so we understand that God has a purpose in our situation, that, that God has given me a mission. Notice verse number six, as this, as this narrative progresses. Notice verse six. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, and he made a clay of spittle. Everybody say spittle. I like how you said that, spittle. Clay of spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, why did Jesus do that? We don't really know. <laughs> Uh, Jesus uh, often would change up his methods, and I believe he wanted us to focus more on the message than the methods, and so he would often do things a different way, and so he he kind of made this clay, and he he put it on the eyes of the blind man, and then notice verse number seven, he tells him, and he said unto him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent, and I I, I like that, that that, uh, the place that he was to go was... uh, 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 translated sent, uh, because Jesus was sent. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. God sent his son. He sent his son to earth. And so this place reminds us of a person. His name is Jesus. And he went his uh, way, therefore, and he washed, and he came seeing. Now, you just have to pause right there, because we're so familiar with Scripture sometimes, and we're so familiar with these stories that we think, oh, yeah, the blind man, he, he went and washed, and he came seeing. Okay, big deal. But think about that, that he was blind from his birth. He never knew any uh, beautiful scenery. He never saw the, 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 uh, the majesty of mountains or the beauty of the ocean. He never saw anything, didn't know what his family looked like, didn't know what his friends looked like, and now he came seeing for the first time. And as you can imagine, he is pretty excited. And I want to tell you this morning, don't lose the excitement over your salvation. Sometimes we can come to church and think, yeah, I have eternal life. And yeah, I'm coming to church and now what's for lunch though? And we're kind of thinking about all kinds of different things, but don't ever lose sight of the fact that God loves you and that God saves you and that he's given you a new life and he's given you a home in heaven. These are things that we ought to be excited about and praise the Lord about and praise the name of Jesus about. I read a story uh, recently about a man. Uh, There was a story that came out in Columbia, South Carolina about a man who was 51 years old and he had this uh, rare disease where he actually also was born blind from birth and he couldn't see. And uh, he actually was a candidate for this really uh, expensive, of surgery and this complicated procedure, and he did it, and he was able actually to regain his sight slowly. His name was Bob Edens, and he said this. Uh, everything was just kind of overwhelming for him, seeing for the first time at 51 years old. And he said this, I never dreamed that yellow was so yellow. <laughs> He's heard about it his whole life, had no idea what that was. I never dreamed that yellow was so yellow. I don't have the words. I'm just amazed by yellow. But red is my favorite color. I just can't believe red. Can I just encourage you today, never lose sight of your salvation, what Jesus did for you. Never lose that excitement about the fact that Jesus died for you in your place so that you didn't have to go to hell, but you can have an eternity in heaven forever. And so Jesus completely transforms this man's life. He can now uh, see this is an amazing moment. This leads us to our third uh, faith confession this morning. Number three, we can say with confidence, my God will not abandon me. My God will not abandon me. Notice verse number eight. The neighbors, therefore, his neighbors, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, is not this he that sat and begged? Everybody was kind of confused in this situation. Everyone was thinking, is that the guy that was 
born blind? Is that, is that the guy that was always blind? And they could see this transformation. They could see that he, he, he could now uh, have his sight, and he was kind of going around on his own without any help, and they took notice of that. By the way, whenever you spend time with Jesus, people should notice that. Uh, people should say, is that the same guy? Is that the same girl that, that used to do this and used to do that? And now they're coming into work early, and now they're being respectful, and now they're not so negative, and now they're positive. What got into that person? See, when you spend time with Jesus, your life will be forever changed, and people will notice uh, the difference in your life. Notice verse number nine. Some said, this is he. Others said, uh, he is like him. But he said, I am he. He said, yeah, it's me. Let me speak for myself here. Verse number 10. Therefore said they unto him, how are thine eyes open? So now they're going to ask him, how did this happen? They're going to kind of interrogate him. Verse number 11. And he answered and said, a man uh, that is called Jesus made clay and he anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. And so now this man is using his testimony to tell people about what Jesus did for him. By the way, your greatest witnessing tool, your greatest evangelism tool is your own story. It's to tell people how Jesus changed you and your testimony of how you came uh, to Christ. Notice the next verse, verse number 12. And they said unto him, where is he? He said, I don't know. Next verse. They brought to the Pharisees him that was aforetime blind. Next verse. We're going to go through these verses a little bit quick here. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And so there was a problem with that. Next verse. And then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he said unto them, he put the clay upon mine eyes and I washed and do see. And I love how the blind man is starting to get irritated now. He's like, all right, I've already told you. And so you can notice his testimony this time is a little bit shorter. He's like, I went, I washed, I can see. Okay, how many times can I possibly tell the same story over and over again? Verse number 16. Therefore said some of the uh, Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a great uh, division among them. And so they're kind, of, they're kind of wondering, how is this possible? How could someone do this on the Sabbath day? The law says no working on the Sabbath day. And so uh, Jesus did this on purpose on the Sabbath because he was a fulfillment of the Sabbath. Notice the next verse, verse 17. And they said unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him uh, that he uh, hath opened thine eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. Now this would have taken great courage and great boldness from the blind man. See, he didn't know all the answers. He didn't know exactly who Jesus was. But in Jewish culture, a prophet was someone that was greatly respected. And while these men are trying to uh, tear down Jesus and say, who did this on the Sabbath day? And who did this to you? I can't believe this. He said, I think he's a prophet. And so what he was saying is, hey, I think that this man is worthy of our respect. Notice the next verse. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight. And so they called the parents of him that received his sight. And so they do not believe his story. And they're like, somebody go get his parents. We, we, need, we need some witnesses. We need to get his parents involved in this. I'm sure he's like, come on, guys, my parents, really? And uh, verse number 19. And they asked him, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? T tell us, explain the situation about your son. How, how can he now see? Verse number 20. And his parents answered them and said... We know that this is our son, and we can confirm that he was indeed born blind. Next verse. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Next verse. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. And so they were a little bit worried about what might happen. They didn't want to get on the religious leader's bad side. And so like, hey, he's of age. Let, let him speak for himself. For the Jews had already agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Next verse. Therefore, said his parents, he is of age. Ask him. Can you just imagine this moment with me for a moment? This was the first time that this blind man could ever see his parents, what they look like. 
the first time this blind man could actually look in his parents' eyes, and the first time he really had that moment with them, and he's, he, he needs their help in this moment, and they just say, hey, he's of age, just ask him. Well, yeah, he was, he was born blind, we can confirm that, but everything else, just ask him. And the blind man is thinking, really? After all of these years of taking care of me, and after all of these years of trying to help me, and after all of this, you're not even going to come to bat for me? You're not even going to stand up for me? And I want to tell you this morning that there will be times when those closest to you do not sense your struggle. There will be times in your life when the people that should come to bat for you and the people that should love you the most and the people that should understand what you're going through do not understand and don't come to bat for you. And so this blind man is thinking, man, I can see now, but my struggle hasn't gone away. A lot of times we think that when we get saved, our struggles are going to disappear, when in reality, sometimes our struggles are intensified. Because God wants to do something great in our lives so that his works could be made manifest in our lives. And so now this blind man, his parents don't even come to bat for him. Already, already the neighbors, they're like, who's this guy? And then the religious leaders are like, I can't believe this happened. And now his own parents are saying, we don't want anything to do with this. Notice what happens in verse 34. They kind of go back and forth. If you read, read those verses in between, they're kind of arguing still, bickering. And they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, talking to the blind man, the religious leaders, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. And so now this man is thrown out of the temple. Already he was rejected by his friends and his family, his parents. Already he was rejected by religious leaders. And now they say, you know what? Just get out of here. You're not welcome in the temple any longer. And so they cast him out. And in this culture and in this day, if you were cast out of the temple, you were shunned from society. And so now this man is thinking, man, I, I can see now. I have this great experience, this, this, this moment where I can now uh, see my sight is, is restored, but I'm struggling still. Now he's all alone, and now he's rejected. Feels like nobody understands. And so often in life, when we're going through a struggle, the devil wants to jump on your back and say, you're the only one that knows how you feel. You're the only one that knows what you're going through. You're the only one that struggled like this. But I want you to see what happens next in the story because it's so encouraging. Verse 35. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, when he had found him, everybody say found him. When he had found him, he said unto him, dost thou believe on the Son of God? And so even when this man was at his lowest point, he, he has his sight, but he's still hurting on the inside because now he's shunned from society, and now everyone has rejected him, and he feels all alone. And then Jesus comes, and he finds him. Aren't you thankful today that Jesus will get out of his comfort zone to go and to find us and to show love for us? I just want to tell you today that when you're going through a struggle, you can say with confidence, my God will not abandon me. He will find me. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He, he will come and, and give us strength and peace and love in our time of need. And even when we feel all alone and no one understands, Jesus says, I'm right here by your side. He went and he, and he found him. I remember when I was in college, I uh, was driving one night to uh, a basketball practice. And uh, uh, I was getting ready. I was getting ready to make a right-hand turn at this light. And out of nowhere, as I made this right-hand turn, a car came out of nowhere. I didn't see it and slammed into me. And my car kind of did a 360 into the desert and all caved in on one side. And, and uh, praise the Lord, nobody was hurt. But we, I had to kind of crawl out the window to get out. And we were kind of shaken up. And the guy that hit me kind of came over. And we were trying to exchange information, but both of us a little bit uh, shaken up. And I remember right after that, one of my friends who was in college, who was in the same year as me, who I knew very well, he happened to drive by right at that moment. He got out of the car and he's like, man, are you okay? And it was actually a great comfort 
to know that I had someone there with me and that could kind of help me. And uh, he said, you're right. I said, yeah, I'm doing good. And, and I'm just trying to f- uh, figure this out. And he's like, all right, I got to run to the store, but I'll catch you later. And he left. And I remember thinking, really? <laughs> and uh, he just kind of took off. And then, you know, I called my dad. And a couple minutes later, my dad came. He kind of stayed with me and kind of helped me through the process and the police report and all of that. And it was a great comfort knowing that my dad was there and just his presence was there. And I just want to tell you today that when everyone else rejects you and forsakes you and neglects you, you can know that you have the presence of God and the access to God's presence. And he will never leave your side. We can say with confidence, my God will not abandon me. I love what the Bible says in Matthew 11, 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Only Jesus can give you the rest and the peace that you're looking for in the midst of your pain. Hebrews 13, verse number 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never. Everybody say never. never. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And so we understand that. God will not abandon us. There's one more faith confession that we can claim with confidence today. If you're ready, would you say amen? Amen. Here's the fourth one. Number four, my God is who he says he is. We can say with confidence on a daily basis, my God is who he says he is. Notice verse number 35 again. He says, dost thou believe on the Son of God? Verse number 36. The blind man said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And so the blind man, he didn't have all the answers. He didn't understand exactly everything about his struggle. The one thing that he knew was that he could see. And Jesus asked him, do you believe on the Son of God? And he said, who is he, Lord, so I I can believe. I, I want to. Verse 37. And Jesus said unto him, thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Jesus says, you're looking at him. Jesus says, I am the Son of God. And here is one of the clearest references where Jesus is claiming absolute deity and he's saying, hey, listen, I am the son of God. And you can have confidence that God is who he says he is. See, today so many people have a a perspective and kind of an idea uh, about who Jesus is. In fact, if you were to type in the name Jesus Christ into Google, you would get almost 800 million hits. And everyone has a different idea about who Jesus is and, and, uh, and uh, what he did. And he was just a good person, a good prophet. Many religions say he's just a good man, a good prophet. Many religions flat out say that, that, that Jesus Christ is not God. But Jesus here claimed deity. He said, I am the son of God. And so we have to come uh, to the conclusion today and answer the question, who is Jesus? Was he just a good person? Was he just a prophet? Was he a nice man? Was he just a historical figure? Or is Jesus who he said he was? Is Jesus indeed the Son of God? Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is the only way. My God is who he says he is. Acts chapter 16, verse number 31 says this, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. See, it's all about a relationship with Jesus. Romans 10, 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, we can have confidence, say Jesus is who he says he is, and Jesus offers eternal life. And I want to tell you today, there's going to be people in your workplace, there's going to be people in your neighborhood, there's going to be people that say, hey, Jesus was just a good person, Uh, don't get 
get all carried away with this whole Jesus idea. And I want to tell you that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Does anybody believe today that Jesus is who he says he is? We can have confidence today, no matter what we're facing. My God is who he says he is. This blind man certainly knew all about struggle. But I love that even in the midst of his struggle, in the midst of his chaos, he still had confidence. He said, I don't know all the answers, but I know this, I can see. I want to encourage you today. If you're struggling, I hope that this series can be an encouragement to you. But I want to start out right off the bat and just say this. Hey, there's some, th- there's some things in life that you can be confident in. You can be confident that God does have a purpose in your situation. That God has given you a mission. That God will never abandon you and that your God is who he says he is. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.